نحمد ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما In the previous class we learned about the difference between nifas and hayd We learned that mainly all the rulings are the same with the exception of only How many? Five One of the rulings was that during nifas talaq is given and during hayd divorce is not given just to clarify this point a little bit more remember that when a woman is in the state of impurity meaning she is bleeding whether it is hayd or nifas it is not correct to pronounce divorce to her because in the quran what does allah say that give divorce to women when fatalliquhunna li'iddatihinna meaning wa ahsul idda meaning when the idda can be counted But if a woman is bleeding, meaning she's either in postnatal bleeding or she's having her hayd, you cannot begin to count the idda. Because the idda is how much? Three menstrual cycles. But if a woman is in her periods, this is not correct because she has to be in the state of purity. Because when she will begin her period, that will be the first qar and then two quru after that, so three quru total, right? Likewise, if a woman is having postnatal bleeding, then when will she have her period? It could be months and months from then. So this is the reason why it is not correct to give divorce to a woman who is in her hayd or in her nifas. But people still do give talaq in these times, right? And this talaq is termed as bid'i talaq. Remember we learned this in tafsir. This is termed as bid'i talaq. According to many scholars, this talaq does not have any effect, meaning it's considered as a love statement. If a man says talaq to a woman who's in her period, it doesn't have any value whatsoever. But others said that no, because remember this practice became common at the time of Umar anhu, and it was applied, meaning if a man did pronounce talaq on his wife, it was applied. So it is considered as bid'i talaq, alright? But the difference is that if a woman is in her period, then her idda will not begin immediately. If a woman is in her period, her idda will not begin immediately. When will it begin? From the next cycle. So let's say a woman started her period, it's her second day, and the husband pronounces divorce on her. Will her idda begin? No, it will not begin. When will it begin? From the time that she begins her next period. So basically, her idda will be how much you can say? It will be like four cycles, as opposed to three. And a woman who is in her nifas, her idda will begin from that moment. Okay? Her idda will begin. So this is the difference. That a woman who is in her hayab, her idda will not begin. But a woman who is in her nifas, her idda will begin. This is the meaning that was meant by that in nifas, talaq may be given and in hayab, it may not be given. So the difference is in what? In when the idda will begin. In both cases, it is bidri talaq. The only difference is that for Hayd, the idda will not begin immediately. But for nifas, the idda will begin. The basic rule is that it should not be given. It should not be given. Exactly both. But if it is given, then what's the difference in the ruling? That for one, the idda will begin, and for the other, it will be deferred. Another point I wanted to clarify was that some people misunderstood the fatwa that I had quoted by uh, Sheikh Saleh al-Munajjid, that the question was, that is masturbation haram between man and wife. Not that a person does it himself, but between man and wife. And the response to that was that yes, it is permissible. Because it is clear that a person cannot do it himself. But if when a woman is menstruating, for example, and this fondling, because we learned about this whole topic, right? This fondling, if it leads to a man ejaculating even, is that haram? It is not haram. Which is the reason why when a person does it himself, it is forbidden. But what's the ayah? That, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ Okay, إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ Okay, so the zawj can do it, but one cannot do it himself. Alright, let's continue. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنِ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ بَابْ تَرْكِ الْحَائِضِ الصَّوْمَةِ تَرْكِ leaving off Leaving what? A psalm fasting. A menstruating woman will not fast. This does not mean that she is exempt from fasting completely, but rather what it means is that while she is menstruating, she will not fast, but later on, 
she has to make them up. For salah, it is very clear that a woman who is menstruating, she is not going to pray. Why? Because tahara is a condition. Wudu is a condition. And a woman cannot have that while she is menstruating. But for fasting, we see that is tahara a condition? Meaning, do you have to be in the state of wudu for fasting? No, you don't have to be in the state of wudu for fasting. But still we see that a menstruating woman cannot fast. A menstruating woman cannot fast. And Imam Bukhari proves that over here with the support of a hadith. حدثنا سعيد بن أبي مريم قال أخبرنا محمد بن جعفر قال أخبرني زيد هو ابن أسلم عن عياض بن عبد الله عن أبي سعيد الخدري قال he said خرج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في أضحى the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he went out for أضحى meaning the salat العيد the Eid prayer which Eid was this either it was أضحى أو فطر or it was فطر which one is أضحى the one in which you slaughter animals right and fitr is the one that is after Ramadan. إِلَى الْمُصَلَّةِ To the place of prayer. فَمَرَّ عَلَى النِّسَاءِ And then he passed by some women. فَقَالَ So he said, يَا مَعْشَرَ النِّسَاءِ O group of women, تَصَدَّقْنَ Give sadaqa, Give in charity. فَإِنِّي For indeed I أُرِيتُكُنَّ I have been shown you, meaning you women, as أَكْثَرَ The majority of أَهْلِ النَّارِ as the people of hellfire. Meaning, I have seen that the majority of the people of fire were who? Women. فَقُلْنَا So those women, they said, وَبِمَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And how come? Why is it so? O Messenger of Allah. قَالَ He said, تُكْثِرْنَ اللَّعْنَ You are excessive in cursing. Meaning, you curse a lot. You curse a lot. وَتَكْفُرْنَ الْعَشِيرِ And you are very ungrateful to the companion, meaning the husband. مَا رَأَيْتُ I have not seen مِن نَاقِصَاتِ عَقْلٍ وَدِينٍ مِن of نَاقِصَات نَاقِصَات plural of نَاقِصَه meaning one who is deficient. I have not seen anyone who is so deficient in what? In intellect and in religion. Meaning I have not seen anyone who lacks intellect, who lacks in religion, but still أَذْهَبَ is able to take away لِلُبِّ الرَّجُلِ The intellect, لُب from Al-Bab. Remember the word Al-Bab? Ulul Al-Bab? That they're able to take away the intellect of a rajul, of a man who is Al-Hazim, who is resolute, meaning someone who has firm resolve. Hazim is from Hazm, and Hazm is to bundle, to tie up, to wrap up something in package. And Huzuma is to be firm. So Hazm is someone who is determined, resolute, you can say like hard-headed, you know, strong-minded. People are like that. They're very difficult to convince. And some men are very much like that. So the Prophet ﷺ said, I have not seen anyone who is as deficient as you in intellect, in religion, but still you are able to dissuade a man who is hard-headed. Okay? Min ihda kunna, from one of you, meaning you only can, can dissuade him. Only you can convince him. Qulna, they said, وَمَا نُقْصَانُ دِينِنَا they said, okay, so what is the deficiency of our religion, wa'aqlina, and our intellect? The Prophet ﷺ said, naqisati aqlin wa deenin. So they said, how come? We are less in our intellect and in our religion. Ya Rasulullah qala, he said, alaysa, is it not, shahadatul mar'ati, the testimony of a woman, mithla, like, nisfi shahadatil rajul, half of the testimony of a man. Qulna bala. They said, of course, yes, it is so. قَالَ He said, فَذَلِكَ مِن نُقْصَانِ عَقْلِهَا That that is the deficiency of her intellect. And then he said, أَلَيْسَ Is it not إِذَا حَاضَتْ When a woman menstruates, لَمْ تُصَلِّ She does not pray, وَلَمْ تَصُمْ And she does not fast. قُلْنَا بَلَى They said, of course. قَالَ He said, فَذَلِكَ مِن نُقْصَانِ دِينِهَا So that is the deficiency in her religion. Now this incident has been narrated through other chains as well with varying details. We have read a version of this earlier in Kitab al-Ilm where slightly different details were given. And over here we see in this narration that the Prophet ﷺ, he left Medina, meaning he went out of the masjid, he went out of the city in order to perform the Eid prayer. Because Eid prayer is to be performed where? In a larger open space so that as many people as possible can come in. And also people are to slaughter their animals, especially at Adha, close by. So for that also, it's better that it is in an open space. 
And this is the reason why the scholars have said that when a person is in the city of Medina, uh, around the time of Eid, then it is sunnah that he should pray Salatul Eid, not in Masjid al-Nabui, but somewhere else. Not in the city, but outside the city. Now the city, obviously, from the time of the Prophet ﷺ, it has expanded a lot. And we see that the Prophet ﷺ, when he went for salah, after the salah, he passed by some women. Okay, Because we learned that after the salah, the Prophet ﷺ advised the men, and then he also admonished the women separately. And this was at their request. And when the Prophet ﷺ advised them, what did he tell them? To give sadaqah. To give in charity. Why? Because he said that he saw that the majority of the people in hellfire happened to be women. So why is it that he told them to give sadaqah? Because sadaqah expiates sins. It is a means of forgiveness of sins. It extinguishes sins like water extinguishes fire. And we see that sadaqah has many benefits. It repels evil death. It leads to husnul khatima, a good end. And we see that a person will be under the shade of his charity on the day of judgment. Every person will be under the shade of a sadaqah on the day of judgment. So sadaqah has many benefits. And this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ encouraged them to give sadaqah. Now the women, they wondered that how come, why is it that the majority of the people of fire are women? Their question, remember, was of istifham, not istinkar. What is istifham? To try to have faham, to seek understanding. They wanted to understand that what is it that has led so many women to the hellfire. They were not asking out of rejection, you know, to argue with the Prophet ﷺ, to refute him, not at all. Their question was just so that they could understand, so that they could better themselves. And what was the answer that was given by the Prophet ﷺ? That why is it that the majority of the women, or rather the majority of the people of fire are women? What's the reason? Three reasons he gave. First of all, al-ikthar, right? Ikthar of alarn, of curse. Secondly, kufran, ingratitude. And thirdly, idhab, idhab of lub of a person. Okay, so three reasons he gave. Ikthar, kufran, and idhab. First of all, ikthar. Ikthar of what? Of alarn, meaning they curse a lot. That it is a habit that is found mostly in women. I'm not saying that men do not have this habit, but mostly women have this habit that on every little thing they start using bad words. Because a woman's life is kind of challenging. Because she has to deal with children and she has to deal with so many accidents, right? especially when you have children around. So many accidents can happen. You clean something and there comes a child with a cup of water and juice and the whole floor is dirty. Or there comes a child who's being toilet trained and all of a sudden the whole carpet is dirty. right? So a woman, you know, she has to have a lot of sabr in her life. And when she lacks that sabr, then what happens? Then she starts using foul words, bad words on every little thing. And we should really check our language, our expressions, that when we are unhappy or when we are tired or frazzled or when, you know, the dishes are too many or when, you know, a pot, you know, no matter how much you're cleaning it, it doesn't become clean or when there's a stain on something and it doesn't become clean, then what words are we using? What kind of expressions are we using against our machines and against our pots and pans, against our utensils and our clothes and our furniture? What kind of words do we use against them? You know, it's very easy that such expressions come out of the mouth. The second reason that the Prophet ﷺ gave was that they are very ungrateful to their husbands. Kufran, Kufran al-Ashir. And why is it so that many women are ungrateful to their husbands? Or how is it that they become ungrateful to their husbands? It's a very deep problem. If you analyze it, the problem is that many women, what do they think? That whatever they are doing is a favor to their husbands. A woman believes that if she's staying at home, she's doing a favor to her husband. She believes that if she's working, she's doing a favor to her husband. She believes that if she's studying, even that is a favor to her husband. So her existence is a favor to to her husband, basically, in whatever situation she is in. I have to work because you don't make much money. I have to study to find a better job. I have to stay at home because you can't look after the kids, because we have kids, because you wanted kids. Everything happens to be whose fault? The husband's fault. So whether the woman is working or she's doing the laundry or preparing the food or looking after the children, she 
believes that she is doing a favor to her husband. And this is the reason why if she is slightly disappointed or slightly hurt or slightly tired, then all of a sudden she begins to list her good deeds and her husband's faults. Or everything that she expected of him and he did not fulfill it. And he didn't even know what was expected of him in the first place. So it is as though the husband has no good in him. Right? This is what she does basically. That she completely washes away all of the good that he has done. She completely dismisses that. And unfortunately, it's very common in, in many of us. I mean, all of us know that. Which is why I, I see all these smiles because this is what we do, unfortunately, without even realizing. But if you think about it, a woman when she does something in her house or with her children, is she doing a favor to her husband? Is it a favor to her husband? No. She is actually fulfilling her own responsibility. What does the hadith tell us? That وَالْمَرْأَةُ رَعِيَةٌ فِي بَيْتِ زَوْجِهَا وَمَسْؤُولَةٌ عَنْ رَعِيَتِهَا That a woman is a shepherd of the house and she will be held accountable for what she is made in charge of. So this is your responsibility. Whatever you are doing is your responsibility. And what is ingratitude? Ingratitude is when someone has been good to you and you don't appreciate their goodness. You don't acknowledge that goodness. So we see that many women, they even refuse to acknowledge the goodness of the husband. Right? Which is why they believe that they can survive on their own or that life would be better if he had not come into their life. But if you think about it, if a woman ever analyzes her life, that... If that man was not there in her life, then what would she have and where would she be? If you think about it, could she have had the house that she is living in? No. Could she have had the children that she loves and adores that are a coolness, a comfort of her eyes? No. Could she have traveled so extensively? Perhaps not. Could she have had all those clothes and jewelry? No. So really, think about how life was before the husband came in and how it has become since he has become a part of your life. And that will make you realize that yes, there are many favors on you from who? Your husband. Through your husband. And a person might say, no, no, but this my parents gave me. But even then, why did they give you? Because you were married. Because you got married, you had your children, and you could not have them without your husband being around. A woman might say, no, no, my parents bought me this house. Why? Because you needed it. Why? Because you had children. Why? Because you and your husband were looking. So, at the end of the day, many things that you enjoy in life are why? Because or through your husband. So first of all, we should acknowledge the goodness, the favor of our husbands on us. And then realize that what you're doing is not a favor on them. It's just that you are fulfilling your responsibility. Recently I heard this example that was quoted by a sister and she said that she heard this in a lecture. She said that someone mentioned that, you know, all women, they have like two bags. Okay. Whatever good the husband does, whatever good he does, you know, gifts he buys, groceries he brings, uh, the vacuum he does, whatever good he does, you know, those acts of goodness she puts in one bag. And whatever wrong he does, whatever hurtful words he says or the attitude he shows, she puts them in the other bag. But the problem is the bag in which she keeps all the good things, there's a hole in it. So what happens? Whatever goes in, falls out. Now when the husband says something nasty or she's hurt or she's you know tired or frustrated, whatever, she tries to put her hand into the bag of goodness, but what does she find? Nothing. And as soon as she looks towards the bag that is full of bad things, it's overflowing. Because you know what? We forget the good and we remember the evil. We forget the favors and we remember where we were hurt. So this is what leads to ingratitude. This is what leads to ingratitude. So the Prophet ﷺ said that you are, many of you are ungrateful to who? To your husbands. You forget his ihsan. So what should we do? Leave something in the bag of goodness. So it fixed the hole. The third reason that the Prophet ﷺ gave was idhab, that they take away the determination, the resolve of the most strong-headed person. And what does this imply? That they use their strengths in the wrong way. 
that the strength that Allah has given to the women, they use it in the wrong way. Instead of acquiring goodness, they become a fitna for others. And the Prophet ﷺ remarked here that it's amazing that women in general are deficient in two areas, aql and deen. But despite their deficiency, they're able to dissuade men. Right? They're able to convince them who may be much firmer in their aql and in their deen. How is it so? Because a woman is a fitna for the man. Because men, they are attracted to women. And when a man wants a woman, then he will do anything for her. Because his nafs, his body, his desire is pulled towards her. So basically, he will do anything to have her. You know, there are so many stories and incidents that we have heard from the people of the past even, that how people gave away their deen just to get a woman. Ibn al-Jawzi, he, he mentioned a story of a man who was a very learned man, a teacher, who decided one day to go with his students for Hajj. And as they were traveling, they passed by a Christian church or something like that, a monastery or something. And over there, this very uh, religious, educated scholar, he saw that there was a woman. And when he saw her, he fell in love with her. When he found out about her, he found that she was the daughter of the priest. And she refused to marry a man who was a Muslim. So he decided to stay there and give up his faith just so that he could have that woman. His students are the ones who are trying to advise him, convince him that please, you know, this is wrong. But he refused. So the students went for Hajj. On their return, they came back to the same place to meet their teacher again, to try to convince him. And Alhamdulillah, he understood and he went along with them on the way back. You know, he went home with them. And this is a story that is mentioned by Ibn al-Jawzi. So anyway, there are many men who lose all their determination and their resolve when a woman comes before them. There are people who will leave their jobs, who will sell their car to get a ring, who will, you know, forget about their education. Why? For the sake of a woman. I mean, it happens the other way as well, that a woman goes crazy for a man and she forgets everything in her life. It happens the other way as well. But typically, it's the men who, when they're in love with a woman, then they forget everything. I remember the the incident of the man, the three men who got trapped in the cave. And one of the men, he said, I really loved a cousin of mine whom I wanted. And then eventually he he did convince her. But as soon as they were about to do haram, she said to him that fear Allah. And then he left. So anyway, there are many incidents. And it's amazing that a woman, through her logic, she cannot overcome a man. She cannot defeat him in an argument. But through her tears... Or through her sweet words, or maybe sometimes through her, you know, remarks or whatever, she can easily convince him. He will be at her feet instantly. If a woman uses the strength of hers to make the man convinced of doing something that is wrong, meaning wrong in his deen, then yes, she is responsible because we see that this is something that has led many of the women to hellfire. But when Allah has given her the strength, what should she use it for? For goodness, right? I mean, think about it. Many women, they're able to convince their husbands to buy them what they want, to live where they want, to eat what they want, to travel somewhere, to not travel somewhere. But when it comes to to good decisions for the family or religious decisions, many times women are working the other way. Instead of helping the man go to the masjid, she says, I'm scared if you go. I'll be all alone if you go. And there, the husband, he was so determined, I'm going to go for Fajr, I'm going to go for Isha. And there the wife is saying, I'm scared, I don't want you to go. And he will not go. Even if it takes only half an hour, he will not go. What is stopping that man who is so determined to fulfill his duty of iqamatul salah, what is it that is stopping him? It's that woman, right? So that woman has become a fitna for that man. That man who is hazim, determined, has firm resolve, you know, knowledgeable. But the tears of that woman will stop him. My mom, she used to tell us about the neighbor she used to have in back home. And she said, this uh, man, he's a very drunk man. And then the woman, she talked to him a sweet word and she's nice to him, his wife. And he turned from a drunk man to the Abid Zahid. Yeah. It's up to you basically how you use the strength that Allah has given you. 
There are many, many instances where we find that women have used their power to to convince men to do something otherwise. And a sister was telling me she was very sad, and I became sad because she said that she wanted the house so bad. And um, she said, it's okay, you can take interest, doesn't matter, we'll do it, you know, quickly, pay off quickly. And when that happened, their life started to fall apart because the husband was not as available and then they were not very content with they had and there was a race to get the money and all the unpleasant things that you can imagine. So she said, I don't know how to do it otherwise now, how to return it, how to go back where I was. And she said, I'm working, he's working, kids are doing, going haywire, and I don't really know what to do. It's afterwards she realized. So I was really sorry, and I, you know, I made dua for them. But uh, we need to really think it over, what we are doing, what our role is, and what needs to be done in the light of these ahadith. Now, the women, they asked about the deficiency of their deen and the deficiency of their aql. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? That the deficiency, the naqs of her aql, what's the evidence of that? That her testimony is half compared to that of the man. Because in the Qur'an, Allah says, فَرَجُلٌ وَمُرَأَتَانِ مِمَّن تَرْضَوْنَ مِنَ الشُّهَدَ Then a man and two women. If you don't find two men, then a man and two women. Now remember that aql over here does not mean that which is the opposite of junoon. Okay, junoon is insanity and the opposite of that is sanity. So it doesn't mean that a woman lacks sanity or lacks reason or lacks intelligence. This is not what the meaning is. Rather, aql over here refers to aql ashya and dabtuha, meaning the understanding of various matters and retaining the information. That many women, they lack in this. In what? That in understanding various matters, complicated matters, and in retaining information. You will see that many times your husband, he will remember most complicated passwords. Okay, or most complicated card numbers. And you have no idea. They'll remember when a particular card expires. And you have no idea. They will remember, you know, the phone numbers and, and bank numbers and all these details. And you cannot recall this information. You have stored it in your phone. You write down on pieces of paper and you lose those pieces of paper as well. So compared to men, women do lack in these two fields. Understanding complicated problems and retaining information in their memory for longer periods of time. Now, remember that this is not you know, with regards to every single woman and every single man, but we see that on average. There are exceptions and there are many women who may be smarter in these matters compared to their husbands, but it would be the exception, not the general rule. And this is the reason why the scholars have said that this hadith should not be generalized. The Prophet ﷺ said that a woman's testimony is half of the man's, but this is only in the case of what? In the case of financial matters, right? Because in other matters, you know, a woman's testimony could be equal to that of a man or could be more than that of a man. Like in the case of Rada'a, a single woman's testimony is accepted. If a woman says, I have nursed this child, khalas, that testimony is accepted. One woman. But on the other hand, many men could say that, but their testimony will not be accepted. So this is the reason why this hadith should not be generalized. Secondly, the naqs in deen. What's the naqs in deen? That she does not pray or fast in her hayd. And this is the reason why Imam Bukhari mentioned this long hadith. That a woman does not fast when she is menstruating. Even though she will make up her fast later, but still when she does not fast in the month of Ramadan, she does have naqsan in her deen. Because fasting on a weekend during the winter is not the same as fasting on a weekday in the summer followed by taraweeh. It's not the same, right? The effort is different. Now, many people have found this difficult to understand. That a woman, if she does not pray or does not fast when she is menstruating, why is this a deficiency in her deen? Because if she's not praying, she's not fasting, who is she obeying? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She's following the instructions of the Prophet ﷺ. But why does this cause her to be deficient in her deen. Remember that deficiency or nuqsan in deen is of two kinds. First is that over which a person is blameworthy. Meaning that if a person falls short in doing something and he does so by his own choice, then he could be punished for it. 
Like for example, a person has to pray. Okay, a man has to pray. But he does not pray all five prayers. At the end of the day, they have prayed only three salawat. Not five, but only three. They didn't pray two. Isn't that a deficiency? That is a deficiency. Are they blameworthy for it? Are they held responsible for it? Yes. Could they be punished for it? Yes. Why? Because it was by their own choice. It was by their own choice. There was no shari reason preventing them and no qadri reason preventing them. Shari as in no religious rule preventing them. And secondly, no qadri reason preventing them. What is qadri reason? Like physical circumstances. Because in every circumstance, no matter what situation a person is in, aren't there guidelines for us that how we are to pray? Meaning even if a person cannot stop, the enemy is running after him, a lion could be chasing him, and the sun is setting, and a person has not prayed asr, how is he to pray? How is he to pray? While he's running. Isn't that what we learn in the Qur'an? فَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ فَرِجَالًا أَوْ رُكْبَانًا If you are in the state of fear, then pray while running or walking. Doesn't matter. While you are on a vehicle or you are walking. So, if a person does not pray and there is no religious reason preventing him or qadri reason preventing him, this is a nuqsan, a deficiency in their deen. And this is something for which they will be held responsible. The other kind of deficiency is that for which a person is not blameworthy. They're not blameworthy. Why? Because they fell short in doing something because of either shari reasons preventing them or qadri reasons preventing them. Shari reason. Like for example, a woman who is menstruating. She's not able to pray. She's not sinful. Qadri reason. Like for example, a person does not give sadaqah, does not give zakat. Why? He doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the money. Now there's another person who is giving sadaqah, who is giving zakat. He has earned more hasanat. Here is a person who does not give sadaqah, does not give zakat. He does not have the same hasanat as the previous person, right? It's not the same. He is deficient. But is he blameworthy? Is he sinful? Will he be held accountable? No, he will not be. Why? Because he doesn't have the means. He does not have the means. It is beyond his capacity. So when a woman does not pray in her period, when she does not fast in her period, then this is something for which she will not be held responsible for. But still, it is deficiency. It is deficiency. Even though she is not sinful, even though she is not responsible, but still if you think about it, it is deficiency. Think about it. From the time that your husband became Baalik, he's been praying five times a day without a single day off. Whether he was traveling or he was at home or he was sick or he was having exams. And here you are, every month you go on a break and you don't pray for a week, for ten days, for eight days, whatever. You don't pray. You get a break in the middle. Now if you think about it, every month if you have not prayed for seven days and you compare your prayers to his prayers, who has less you have less. Is it because of your fault? No. But still, this is a naqs in deen. At the end of the day, you do have less salawat compared to him. You have prayed less compared to him. Do you see what I mean? This is a deficiency. And this is not just in this case, but in many cases. Remember the hadith in which some companions came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said that there are you know, these wealthy companions they have gone ahead of us because they have money and they give in charity and we don't have that, so we cannot give in charity. So the Prophet ﷺ taught them certain words that they should say. And they started saying them. But then the wealthy companions, they learned about those words as well. So they started saying those words, those kalimat. So what did the Prophet ﷺ say? This is the fadl of Allah and He gives it to whomsoever He wills. Meaning at the end of the day, you have to accept it as Allah's decree. Sayyidah Aisha, when she missed uh, the hajj, because of her period, she start to cry. Yeah. So, but now I'm compare myself. You know, I get I get happy when I have my period. I don't have to pray, I, okay. especially in Ramadan. I don't have to fast. I really get happy. Okay. But is that something? You know, my man is not. Uh... The thing is that it is a break that Allah has given to the women, and when Allah gives a convenience to someone, a matter of ease to someone, they should willingly accept it. But in this acceptance. 
a person must not forget their status or their position or, or the, the status of their deeds. That a person just thinks, yeah, you know, it's my break. Let me enjoy. And every month you enjoy your break, you're happy about it. And you don't realize what you're missing out on. Which is why you don't put in the effort to do other good deeds. You don't use that time to do other good things. That if a woman says, I'm menstruating, so I'm not praying, I'm not doing dhikr, so she forgets her morning of call, she forgets her evening of call, she doesn't read any du'as for protection, any adhkar to earn reward, nothing, because she says, I'm on my period, and then she goes far away from the dhikr of Allah, she goes far away from any act of goodness, that is something wrong. That is something that should not happen. Because we see that at the end, this is a deficiency. And when a person is lacking in something, okay, they're not sinful for it, but at the end, they do have less. But you know, there's wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind everything. If Allah is giving you a break, He knows that you need it. The fact that you run for other good deeds, so much time that you spend in wudu and all of those things, catch up on your housework or anything else, like, and so that you can spend that time uh, that you right now spending doing chores and other things that you left behind. Next time, you can do your salah with itminan. Instead of sleeping, instead of sleeping away or watching television or reading random things because we say, oh, we're, I'm on my break. Instead of doing that, use your time in doing other productive things. How it's a rahma because there are times you are fasting half the day and you get it. And you feel sad that you lost it or, or even right before Maghrib mm-hmm. and you lose it. But you know, when you are in your period, your state is so messed up that you cannot really, your salah is not going to be like, especially the first few days, you're mm-hmm. in so much pain depending on the woman. But I've seen sisters, they're literally, they're taking Tylenol and stuff and they're cramping. So it's a rahma from Allah. Can you imagine getting sin for yeah. those days if it was fun? So it's a rahma from Allah that, you know, He knows that this is hard for us. So we are forgiven and, and we have the luxury of making it up whichever day we choose in the year but ideally it's better to do it sooner but for me I find it so much easier to do fast in Ramadan rather Mm -hmm. than after because the motivation is there the Mm -hmm. the surrounding is there Mm -hmm. later to wake up yourself on suhoor it's just sad like you don't feel the same motivation but the Prophet ﷺ described this as naqs in her deen so this is something that we need to realize as well that even though this is an allowance that Allah has given to us but still this is a deficiency and when you lack in something, then what do you do? You make up for it through other ways. So this is the case of average people. Okay, that when they have an allowance, an exception in something, they fall behind. But we see that there are people who may have disabilities even, but still they go farther than many average people. Isn't that so? So just because we fall behind because of one thing, doesn't mean we start falling behind in everything and that we don't do other good things to make up for it. So the time that Allah has given you, use that for other productive things. If there is a deficiency in your body, you take supplements to make up for that deficiency. So likewise, if you have deficiency in your deen, don't just say, oh, okay, it's a deficiency, what can I do about it? No. If there's deficiency in your beauty, in your clothes, in the size of your house, in your education, will you say, oh, what, whatever, what can I do? No, you will not have that kind of attitude. You will do something to make up for it. The deficiency does not lead to hellfire, but we see that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned deficiency over here, that despite this deficiency, you're able to lead your husbands astray. Okay, lead men astray. And leading men astray is what leads many women to hellfire. But we see that this happens despite the deficiency. So don't think that just because you're deficient in something, you cannot do other things. You can. I was thinking about Paralympics, that people with disabilities, they participate in great sports. They compete. And it's amazing. Whether it's running or skating or skiing or hockey, you name it, swimming, it's amazing. They will participate. They will not stay back just because they have a missing limb. Even though there's nuqsan fiddin, meaning there's, uh, you know, deficiency in the religion, we can actually use these three things to make up for it as well. Like meaning taking your husband to, you know, using your strength in the right way. Or, you know, being grateful to the spouse. Or even using the good words amongst people. These things can also be used to make up for the nuqsan fiddin. Definitely. We have. There was an incident when the Prophet ﷺ, he traveled with a group of people and some people, they 
when they camped, they just rested. And other people, they got up and they served others. And Prophet ﷺ said about them, they have accumulated so much good. So definitely one who does more will go farther. And the one who does less will be behind. But just because you are behind for one reason, doesn't mean that you stay completely behind. Do something. And we see that Aisha anha, for example, she attained so much knowledge. She was far ahead in her aql compared to so many average men. Isn't that so? So remember, just because you're a woman does not mean you cannot go ahead. You cannot go excel. You can still excel. There were people who said that I have heard the khutbah of Abu Bakr. I have heard the khutbah of Umar. And I have also heard Aisha speak. And they said that the speech of Aisha was far more impressive and far more effective. So just because a woman experiences something in her life which is beyond her control, it should not cause her to remain completely behind. This hadith is used in a very negative way to enrage women, to make them feel that they have such a low status in the deen. But this was just a remark from the Prophet ﷺ that it's amazing that despite your deficiency, you can convince a man. Okay, you can make him do something wrong. So use your strength in a positive way. Very, very important incident. Like Sula Hudaybiyah, he consulted his wife what to do. He didn't say, oh, you are nakasatul akal, I'm not going to consult you. Exactly. Right? So we never hear that he uh, mentioned this to his wives or daughters or anyone. This is a general thing that he made women realize that beware, you have this deficiency and don't, you know, uh, yes. fall prey to this. Yes. And it's very important that a person has self-awareness. They realize where they lack and where they are strong. A person should know their strengths and their weaknesses so that they can perform in the best way. Now, there are many other lessons in this hadith. First of all, we see that the hadith proves the hirs, the desire of the women of the Sahaba to learn about what will save them and to learn about their faults so that they could improve themselves. Also, we learn about the fact that it was clear to the people before this incident that menstruating women do not fast. Because the Prophet ﷺ said to the women, isn't it so that when a woman menstruates, she does not pray or fast? So it was clear from before. It is something that's understood that a menstruating woman, just like she does not pray, she also does not fast. And in this hadith, we also learn about the prohibition of using foul language and cursing excessively because it's something that leads to hellfire. And the dislike of cursing. That yes, uh, cursing is something that happens, but remember that it is not something that's liked that much. Especially when it's against an individual. Like for example, in the Quran, what do we learn? Allah عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ Right? So it's general, not on a specific individual, that may Allah curse this, this person. So this is something that is disliked. باب تقتل حائض المناسك كلها إلا الطواف بالبيت A woman who is menstruating, she will taqdi. Taqdi gives the meaning of taf'al, meaning she will perform, she will fulfill. What? Al-manasik, all of the rituals, kullaha, all of them, illa tawaf bil bayt, except for the tawaf of the house. Now apparently it seems that she can also do sari, right? She can do wuquf arafa, she can stay in muzdalifa, she can do the rami, she can stay at mina, and all the rituals. But it is known that sari is performed when? After tawaf. So she will not do tawaf, nor will she do sari. Then what will she do? She will go straight to Mina. Okay, and she will defer her Umrah or her Tawaf until she is clean. In Muwatta, it is clearly stated that she will not do Tawaf or Sari of Safa and Marwa. But remember that if she is doing Umrah with Hajj, and when will that be? When a woman is performing Hajj Qiran or Hajj Tamattu. If a woman is doing Umrah with Hajj, then she will do her Umrah after she has become clean. Meaning she will do her Tawaf and Sari after she has become clean. And if she's not doing Umrah, okay, she's just doing Hajj. Which one? Ifrad. Okay, she's doing Hajj Ifrad. Then she can do her Sari. Even though she is menstruating. Okay, why? Because she's not doing Umrah. And the Tawaf, that is for Hajj, she will do that once she has become clean. وَقَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ And Ibrahim said, Who is this Ibrahim? Ibrahim al-Nakhari. Ibrahim al-Nakhari was from the Kibar Fuqaha of the Tabi'een. He was from the Tabi'een one of the major, one of the great scholars of fiqh, he said, لا بأس, there is no harm أن تقرأ الآية, that she recites an ayah. Who? A menstruating woman. Meaning she can read an entire ayah, and when she can read one ayah, she can read another ayah. So basically there is no harm if she recites the Qur'an while she is menstruating. 
Now, majority of the scholars, they said that menstruating women should not recite the Qur'an, which is why this is an opinion which is very common, that a menstruating woman should not recite the Qur'an. However, other scholars, they disagreed. For example, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said that there is no clear prohibition in the sunnah for a woman, a menstruating woman reciting the Qur'an. There is no clear prohibition. And when there is no prohibition for it, then it would be considered permissible. Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen, he said that when there is a need for her to recite the Qur'an, there is absolutely no harm. And when there is no need, then she should refrain as that is safer. But remember that there is no ijma', there is no consensus, meaning all of the scholars have never agreed upon this at any time in Islamic history. They have never agreed upon this, that a menstruating woman is not allowed to recite Qur'an. There is no ijma' over this, that a menstruating woman cannot recite the Qur'an. Many scholars have said that she cannot recite, but other scholars have proven that she can recite the Qur'an. I'm not talking about touching the Qur'an. That's a different subject. We're talking about the recitation of the Qur'an. وَلَمْ يَرَى And he did not see who Ibn Abbasin بِالْقِرَاءَةِ With regards to قِرَاءَ لِلْجُنُبْ For the junub person, بَأْسًا Any harm. Meaning Ibn Abbas did not see any harm if a junub person recites the Qur'an. He didn't think that there was any problem with it. And if a person who is in the state of Janaba, if they can recite the Qur'an, then a menstruating woman can also recite the Qur'an. Because Janaba is in your control. You can just take a bath or at least do wudu. But Hayd is not in your control. Janaba is temporary, whereas, I mean, it's shorter compared to Hayd. Hayd is much longer. So Ibn Abbas did not see any harm if Jinnah person recites the Qur'an. And therefore, a menstruating woman can also recite the Qur'an. وَكَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Imam Bukhari, he writes that the Prophet ﷺ, he used to يَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ He used to remember Allah عَلَى كُلِّ أَحْيَانِهِ In all his states. And you know that dhikr of Allah, it includes what? Recitation of the Qur'an as well. Dhikr of Allah includes qira'atul Qur'an. So, if the Prophet ﷺ remembered Allah in all states, that would mean that he would also recite the Qur'an in the state of Janaba. If there was a need Okay, if there was a reason. And this affirms the opinion of Ibn Abbas. And remember the ayah in the Quran also, that الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ And the Prophet ﷺ used to recite Quran while his head would be in the lap of Aisha anha and she would be menstruating. وَقَالَتْ أُمُّ عَطِيَّةِ And Ummu Atiyah, she said, كُنَّا نُؤْمَرُ We were commanded, meaning we women were instructed that أَن يَخْرُجَ That should go out who? Al-Huyyad. Huyyad, uh, menstruating women. Meaning, the menstruating women were also instructed to go out with the rest of the people to the place of Eid prayer. Obviously, menstruating women will not pray their Eid prayer, but she was also instructed to go there. Why? فَيُكَبِّرْنَ بِتَكْبِيرِهِمْ وَيَدْعُونَ So that they would glorify Allah, they would mention His greatness, meaning they would say takbir, with the takbir of the rest of the people. Meaning, as the rest of the people are saying takbirat, the menstruating woman should also say takbirat. وَيَدْعُونَ And they should also make dua. So what does this show? That the menstruating woman, yes, she will not pray, but she will do dhikr. The menstruating women were told, don't stay in your houses on Eid. Come out. Okay, you're not praying, but still, take advantage of takbir. Take advantage of dua. And this gives us the answer. That if you are deficient in one matter, make up through other ways. Or take advantage of other options. Don't leave dhikr completely. Don't leave takbir completely. Don't leave dua completely just because you're menstruating. Do other things. So a menstruating woman can participate in the gathering of dhikr. She can make dua. She can recite her adhkar morning, evening, uh, before going to bed. On waking up, all her adhkar she can say. So she can take advantage of other acts of worship. وَقَالَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسِ And Ibn Abbas said, أَخْبَرَنِي أَبُو سُفْيَان Abu Sufyan informed me أَنَّ هِرَقْلَ That Hiraql, who was he? The Christian king that we learned about in which book? Badul Wahi. That Hiraql da'a bi kitab al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He called for the letter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then فَقَرَأَ And he read. فَإِذَا فِيهِ And there was in it, meaning in the letter was بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَيَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْ إِلَى كَلِمَةِ Meaning, ayah. 
an ayah of the Qur'an. Who was Hiraqul? A non-Muslim. Previously we learned that إِنَّ الْمُشْرِكُونَ najis. And what is that impurity? Spiritual impurity. And despite that, the Prophet ﷺ gave them an ayah to read, to recite. Now a believer, what did the Prophet ﷺ say concerning the believer? That إِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنَ لَا يَنْجِسْ He never becomes impure. So even if you are in the state of Janaba or Hayd, you can still read. Because you are not unclean. And this is the evidence that Ibn Abbas عنه, used. When the people criticized him, or if someone did criticize him, this is the evidence that he used. That if Hiraqul read the Qur'an, then why can't I? Why can't a menstruating woman? Of course they can. It is also said that once Ibn Abbas was found reciting the Qur'an in the state of Janaba, and someone criticized him. And he said, there is more Qur'an in me. Hmm? Meaning, I could be in the state of Janaba, but there is a lot of Qur'an in my heart. I mean, it's just coming on my lips, but there's Qur'an in my heart. Would you take that out of me? Because I'm in the state of Janaba. Is it supposed to be pulled out of me because I'm in the state of Janaba? No. And likewise, if a person is not in the state of Janaba even, there's still more filth inside of him. Correct? So there is filth inside of you, but it's okay for you to recite the Qur'an. It's okay for you to pray salah. So just because a woman is menstruating, she is not prevented from the recitation of the Qur'an. وقال عطاء and عطاء said عن جابر from جابر حاضت عائشة عائشة menstruated فنسكت المناسك but she performed all of the rituals غير الطواف بالبيت except for طواف of the house ولا تصلي and she did not pray so basically the only two things she left out were what طواف and صلاة so likewise a menstruating woman will only leave these two things out and when it's a month of Ramadan she will also not fast other than that can she Recite the Quran? Can she recite her adhkar? Yes. وَقَالَ الْحَكَمْ And Hakam said, إِنِّي لَأَذْبَحُ Indeed, I slaughter. Meaning, I slaughter an animal. وَأَنَا جنوب. And I am in the state of Janaba at that time. And Imam Bukhari, he gives the evidence of that, that is it okay to do that? Of course. Because وَقَالَ اللَّهُ وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا مِمَّا لَمْ يُذْكَرِ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ That do not eat of that meat on which the name of Allah was not pronounced. So basically, if you're slaughtering an animal, you are mentioning the name of Allah. And if you're in the state of Janaba, that means you are mentioning the name of Allah. So you're mentioning the name of Allah in the state of Janaba, that means it is okay for you to do that. This was the understanding of the Salaf. This was the understanding of the companions. This was the understanding of the Tabi'een. That you can do dhikr, even in the state of Janaba. So when you can do dhikr in the state of Janaba, you can do dhikr in the state of Hayd as well. And dhikr includes the recitation of the Qur'an. Now, the purpose of this bab and quoting all of these athar is to prove that Hayd prevents a person from salah, prevents a woman from tawaf, prevents a woman from fasting, but not all acts of worship. Which is why you see that various things have been mentioned over here. Hayl does not prevent a woman from all acts of worship. Imagine a woman is in Hayl and she can do Sari if she's doing Hajj Ifrad. Imagine a woman is in Hayl and she's standing at Arafah. She's in Mina. She goes to Muzdalifah. She goes and does Rami. It's perfectly fine for her. And all of these acts of worship are what? Physical. And they also are acts of worship that involve the tongue because you have to mention the name of Allah. Like for example, when you do Rami, you have to mention the name of Allah. Correct? So, the point here is that a woman who is menstruating can still worship Allah. Okay? She can. Only those acts she will leave out which are prohibited by some text that we find in the Quran and Sunnah. And what are those actions which are prohibited? Those that Imam Bukhari proves over here. Of them are salah and fasting and tawaf. Like your wird, your daily wird, right? Meaning you recite a particular part of the Qur'an every day. Can you do that? Yes, you can. Because it is your habit. Now, there are some weak narrations that prove that a menstruating woman cannot recite the Qur'an. Or that a person in the state of Janaba, he cannot recite the Qur'an. For example, the reason why I'm mentioning this over here is because if you read them anywhere, if you hear them anywhere, you should be aware that they are proven as unauthentic. For example, there's a report ascribed to Ali radhiallahu anhu. 
دیٹ کان رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم یخرج من الخلائی فیقر ان القرآن و یقل معن الحم ولم یکن یحجبه عن القرآن شیئن لیس الجنابہ That the Prophet ﷺ would return from outdoors, meaning after using the washroom, and he would teach us the Qur'an. And he would eat meat with us, meaning all this he would do without wudu. And nothing prevented him from the recitation of Qur'an except for Janaba. But this hadith is graded as a weak hadith. It has a weak chain. Another report that Ali anhu reported seeing the Prophet ﷺ perform wudu, recite some Qur'an, and then say, هَكَذَا لِمَنْ لَيْسَ بِجُنُبْ فَأَمَّا الْجُنُبْ فَلَا وَلَا آيَةً That this is possible for a person who is not junub, meaning he can recite the Qur'an in this way. As for a junub, he may not recite even one ayah. فَأَمَّا الْجُنُبْ فَلَا وَلَا آيَةً Junub person cannot recite even one ayah. Again, this hadith is weak. Another hadith, which is reported by Jabin and Ibn Umar ascribed to them that لا يقرأ الجنب ولا الحائض شيئا من القرآن that a person in Janaba or Mensis may not recite any portion of the Quran. Again, this hadith is graded as weak. So there are many references that are made, but remember that they are unauthentic. And all of these evidences that are mentioned here from the statements of companions to the actions of the Prophet ﷺ, what do they prove? that a woman can recite the Qur'an even when she is menstruating. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا عبد العزيز بن أبي سلمة عن عبد الرحمن بن القاسم عن القاسم بن محمد عن عائشة قالت خرجنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا نذكر إلا الحج She said we went out with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and we did not mention anything except for hajj meaning we did not intend anything but hajj لا نذكر we did not mention because when a person goes for hajj Obviously, he mentions what he is going to do. The people of Jahiliyyah, they would say that Umrah in the months of Hajj is Afjar al-Fujur, meaning it's the worst sin. Performing Umrah in the months of Hajj, this was their belief. Now when the Prophet ﷺ, he set out with the companions, he told them on the way that whoever wishes to do Umrah may also do Umrah. Meaning he, he permitted them. And this is the reason why in Sahih Muslim it is narrated that Aisha ﷺ, she said that when the people reached the Miqat, Some people put on the ihram for hajj, meaning hajj alone. Other people put on the ihram for umrah first. Okay, meaning tamattu. So they would do umrah, come out of the state of ihram, and when the day of hajj would come, they would put on the ihram again. And some people for hajj and umrah combined, meaning kiran. So this is a story behind la nathkuru illa al-hajj. When they set out, their intention was only hajj. But on the way, the Prophet ﷺ gave the instructions, and he told the people, who can do Umrah first and who can do Umrah and Hajj, and hajj together and who can do Hajj only. When they reached the Miqat, that's when the Prophet ﷺ instructed them. When they left, they believed that only Hajj because that, that was the belief of the people of Jahili and that's what had continued until now. But on the way, when the people reached Miqat, then the Prophet ﷺ gave the instructions. Okay? فَلَمَّا جِئْنَا Then when we came, Sarifa, at a place called Sarif, Tamistu. I began my period. Tamistu is from Tams. Lam yatamishunna insun wala jan. Tams is basically vaginal bleeding. So Tamistu, I began my period. Fadakhala alayya nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ana abki. He came upon me and I was weeping. Faqala ma yubkik. He said, what makes you cry? Qultu, I said, lawadittu. I wish, wallahi, by Allah, anni, that indeed I lam ahujjal aam. That I did not do hajj this year. I just had this... You know, I had, I had this feeling that I should not have done Hajj this year. Qala, hmm? he said, لَعَلَّكِ نُفِسْتِ He said, perhaps you have started your period. قُلْتُ نَعَمْ I said, yes. Qala, he said, فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ شَيْءٌ So indeed, this is something. كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ Which Allah has prescribed عَلَى بَنَاتِ آدَمْ On the daughters of Adam. فَفْعَلِي مَا يَفْعَلُ الْحَاجِ So do what the pilgrims do. غَيْرَ أَنْ لَا تَطُوفِي بِالْبَيْتِ حَتَّى تَطْغُرِي Except for tawaf, do not do that until you have become clean. So once you have become clean, then you have to do tawaf because without it, hajj is incomplete. So, what do we see here? The Prophet ﷺ told her to keep her ihram and carry on with the rest of the hujjaj, perform the rituals, everything except for tawaf. And this is the reason why when she was at Mina and she became clean, her period ended, she went to do her tawaf then. The rest of the people did the tawaf first, but she did her tawaf later when she was at Mina. And after Hajj, 
when the people were going back, then what happened? Aisha anha went with her brother to do her umrah. The rest of the people had done it before, but she did it afterwards. A question was asked that if a woman is going for hajj tamattur, which is the case of the majority of the people, and on her way she begins her period, then what is she supposed to do? Sheikh Ibn Jibreen, he replied that she should remain in her state of ihram for her umrah. Because umrah first, right? So she should remain in the state of ihram, even though she has begun her period. If she becomes pure before the ninth of the hijjah, and she has the ability to complete the umrah, meaning there is enough time, then she should do so. And then she enters the ihram for the hajj, and goes to Arafah to finish the rest of the rites of hajj. But if she does not become pure before the day of Arafah, then she will combine the hajj with the umrah, by saying, Oh Allah, I have entered the state of Hajj with my Umrah, meaning she will say the statement, then is performing it as Qiran. So basically she will change her intention from Tamattu' to Qiran, because her circumstances don't allow that anymore. And then she will stay with the people and complete all the acts. Her entering the inviolable state and her Tawaf on the day of Eid or afterwards suffices for her visiting for her Tawaf Ziyarah and the running between the two hills, meaning the Sari, for both the Hajj and Umrah. And she must also offer the sacrifice of Qiran, as also the one who does the matur must do. So basically she can switch her depending on her situation. But what will she do mainly? She will keep her ihram on. Okay, She will not come out of the state of ihram. And this is what we learned from the hadith of Aisha anha as well. She will do everything. She will just defer her tawaf until she becomes clean. So her hajj will become from the matur to qiran. And if she wishes to do umrah, then she can just do it afterwards. If the time is there. Alright, subhanakallahu wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.